0: Welcome into Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and the Quick Time Podcast. I'm Tony Miller. He's Randy Sherman. Before we get going here, thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. If you're thinking about new basketball uniforms for your program this year, let me encourage you to take a look at 323 Sports' good game line. Right now, they have a special home and away uniforms with a shooting shirt, for just $145, just an amazing deal. So to find out more about what they can do for your program, visit 323sports.com. Or you can contact a sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your basketball program. Randy, it's been a couple of weeks since we've we've been on here and recorded a live show. What have you either learned, uh, studied about, or maybe just thought about the de- that's deepened your knowledge of the game?
1: really just sort of like trying to to help coaches with shot selection i think that's something that's been on the mind of several coaches i've talked with just been digging into sort of like how to how to help them codify that in their program what, what's a good shot what's not that kind of thing
0: uh, we had camps the last several weeks and that's always a, a point of discussion when you get a group of people together that they don't know each other and I don't know what their coaches are like or if they even talk about shot selection. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to see what they think is a good shot or not a good shot, or if they're just not thinking and they just shoot yeah. it. Yeah. Um, one of the other things Camp has allowed me to do is kind of given me a chance to coach high school players. Okay. Which I don't typically get to do. And you know, you think about the game a little bit differently when you have younger players. Some of the things I found too, like you can't necessarily give them everything that you give the college players, Sure, whether that's concepts or just trying to convey and expect them to, to understand within the amount of time. It really forces me to kind of boil things down and, and boil concepts down because you have such a short amount of time with the kids Yeah, that I'm not building over the course of a whole season or even over the course of weeks. You got basically three days to help them get better and maybe go back a little bit better that's kind of what we want to talk about today just simplifying the game and hopefully you have more than three days before either your first game or with your players but i do know even amount this this time of year as teams are meeting maybe meeting together they get you know six sessions together or a month together or something like that yeah um you know, being able to convey as much as you can in the the short amount of time that you have, I'm sure, is weighing on a lot of coaches. So let me let, let's start with that. Randy, I'll let you go first. But we're gonna try to give about four suggestions for simplifying the game today. Why don't you go ahead and start your first suggestion you have for simplifying the game is I would say
1: clearly defining the objectives mm. for your team. That that sounds basic, but I mean it's what we're talking about. Think simple, big macro level things that We can do as coaches to simplify the game kind of what i've been working on and talking about is is one project where i'm trying to take the four phases of the game let's start with defense then it would be transition offense offense transition defense and how they work in a cycle and come up with like four to five bullet points for each of those four phases to where it's big things like in transition offense did we get did we get the ball in fast did we did we get the ball over the half court line in four seconds did we did we gain width and depth and did we show up in our positioning right so it's like those kind of big level things for example so what i would say to help simplify the game would be let's create some some high level unchanging almost like a rubric which we can grade our team's performances by in each of those four levels so where... We can, so every player knows in this moment in the game, our objective as a team, therefore my my role in that as a player is bullet one, bullet two, bullet three, bullet four. So clearly defining what is exemplary for us in each phases of, of play.
0: I don't know that coaches are going to be able to do that unless that they have a mastery of what their subject is. And what I mean by that is, is like what matters to them. We've talked a lot on this show about like what matters to winning. I think there's going to be some consistencies across. doesn't matter if you coach in high school, college pro, whatever your particular system is. Mm -hmm. I've found that the more that I know about my offensive system or my defensive system and the concepts that make up those individual parts, the better I am at identifying and then simplifying those key concepts whatever those checkpoints are for each of those systems and for each of those categories there. I'll give you an example of this. You know, this past week with our basketball campers, it wasn't realistic for me, nor was it really a good use of time to try to teach them all of our offensive concepts. But there were concepts within what what's just good offense. And by having them do things like running to the right spots on the floor to get aligned at the beginning of a possession, mm-hmm. or shoot it, drive it, or move it, in that particular in that order you know we saw immediate improvement in those four on four games I was doing nothing more than what you just said it's just that I had much fewer checkpoints underneath each of those things and because I knew the concepts that mattered the most to the system or what were the foundational points of that I could convey those to them and they were able to pick up on those, what those concepts were. And we saw almost immediate improvement and people come back and watch previous episodes about how important alignment is to start the possession, being able to recognize when to shoot it, when to drive it, when to move it. And those weren't, there weren't a lot of like quantifiably, there weren't a lot of concepts that I were teaching them, but because I knew what was most important, then the bigger picture, the game itself looked a whole lot prettier than what they were doing just on their own. And I, you know, yeah. back to your point, like if you can get those five things and boil it down, I have a feeling I can come up with 150 things, but like what are the five things, like you said, in each mm-hmm. of those categories that's going to make our team better, that will allow you to focus in and you're able to like quantify it and figure out that's what a good objective is. Like, how can yeah. I measure, are we doing what we actually are trying to accomplish, to accomplish the goals? whether that's having good offense or just winning a game.
1: Yeah. To your point of, of understanding the subject matter, I, I talked to a lot of coaches who sort of have this, it's almost like in their own personal coaching calendar, spring slash summer is the time that they learn a new offense. And they're, it's like, they're running something different every year, like completely different and that's fine. Uh, Okay. Do that. But um, one argument against that to, to your point of understanding subject matter is just think of how good of a troubleshooter a coach is. That's been sort of like not doing that. Like, is there anything a player at Syracuse could walk off the court and say, coach, they're doing this against my two, three zone that Jim Boeheim hasn't seen in 43 years of whatever however long i'm doing it right like like there no there's like he's past the novice past the apprentice past the journeyman he's into master level teacher of that thing. and what i see a lot to your point of understanding the subject matter is not only are your players learning this new information but you coach are also sort of learning how to like Okay, well, this is this this is what opponents are doing against it. Now I gotta call whoever I bought this playbook from and go, okay, well, what do we do? You know, and then you do it again the next summer and you're right back to mm-hmm. apprentice level coaching in a new thing. Mm-hmm. And and what I would encourage coaches to do would be to sort of maybe just try one off season of sort of breaking that cycle, like go fishing, hang out with your kids don't do that and like come back another year to see if you can can deepen your understanding of that subject matter to you
0: and i immediately saw improvement in my players' play on the floor when i deepened my knowledge because i became a better teacher of it and i think too many times we it, equate performance on the floor and success to their performance purely And there probably should be some more introspective. How well did I teach it to them? Is it maybe more so my fault than it is the player's fault?
1: And your returning players. They've get to keep getting their hands dirty with it. And another benefit is they become de facto assistants to your new players. Like this is how we do things here. Get in line behind me and watch. But if we're learning something all like even my returnees are, they're almost like they're not returnees. Yeah. We're doing something different every off season and implementing it in the season. Then my returning players almost become like they're not returnees because they're learning right alongside with your incoming freshmen, this, you know, new offensive stuff and new whatever. So I would say that you, you've made the best point so far of just yeah. really as a coach majoring in something, and becoming a a master level student of your subject. That's a great point.
0: And it was so great this last week to see we had three brand new players come in and I didn't have to teach them a lot of the things. I had my senior over there and just watching him help the player understand what we were doing, but also the, the why behind it was, uh, it was pretty cool
1: to see. Yeah. I was, I was fortunate enough to, to have been coaching when, you know, love him or hate him, Bob Knight was a great, co- like, a great teacher of the game. You know, methods aside, sometimes. But, but, uh, watching him when he came to Texas to coach after he left Indiana, came to Texas Tech. I was able to observe a lot of practices, and and that's that's one thing I picked up on the guys learning the motion offense and how to read screens and use them and all that. Like, like, if some newbie messed up he wasn't yelling at the newbie he would be like this guy was in line five minutes with you you know you you guys who know how to do this are responsible for for that and and like if we're all the time doing something new every off season nobody's i don't have that help from my returning players
0: a quick timeout podcast is sponsored by three on three hoops hub if you're a basketball coach looking to grow your program raise funds for your program, or build your basketball business, you're going to want to check out what 3-on-3 Hoops Hub can do for you. 3-on-3 Hoops Hub has run over 350 3-on-3 basketball leagues for thousands of kids since 1997 and is helping coaches all across the country do the same. 3-on-3 basketball is the ideal format for players to get more opportunities, work on all skills and positions, and have fun playing competitive basketball with their friends. You can bring three on three to your community and do it like an expert by learning from the best three on three hoops hub, free training to find out more and get access to the training. Simply click the training dot three on three hoops QTO link in the show notes below. Number three is.
1: I like to give things that you can adopt and start using right away. So granular level coaching tactics that you can use right away. And today's, I would say to help simplify the game for your players is start using if then statements in your coaching. I think that comes from like the old computer programming language like to 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 but but I think it's a valuable coaching tool when I started really using it with with players they really latch onto it to where let's think of, a, of an example like like I don't know if I'm if I'm the recipient of a screen right like a down screen or something how do we use an if-then statement in our coaching? Okay, I'm talking to the guy who's the, or the girl who's receiving the screen, whomever, whatever player's receiving the screen, and I want them to read the screen co- co- correctly. I'm going to break it down into a series of if-then statements. If you are trailed, then curl. Some that's just a tiny example, but like what I would challenge coaches to do would be to take your offense, your defense, and make it really binary like that with your players if this then that Mm -hmm. and then you can kind of like like refer back to that and and like use questions like okay what's our if then statement there if you were you were trailed and you didn't curl you straight cut it like what's our what's our if if trailed then curl gotcha you know like like get things boiled down to almost like a 50 50, right? Like if this, then that, or maybe one other thing, right? Like to help simplify the game with your players, start thinking of, of all the things you say in practice, all your, all your teaching points and see if you can sort of like reconfigure those things into if then statements. Mm-hmm. If I'm driving and I see help, then I'm going to jump stop or stride stop or whatever. Like, If I'm driving and I see help, then I'm going to throw to the pass, the direction of the help, you know, like that sort of thing, like to where it's hard to, it's hard to confuse that Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell you the two areas where that's really helped. The first is it's helped with my players understanding the why. That's where I think for years we missed it, but most coaches now are trying at least to do a better job of explaining the why. Behind it rather than just do this because it will make you better or because it will get you an open shot. Like we're really helping them understand the concepts better that way. But then, second of all, it allows me to later on go back and ask the questions, which I think improves my feedback so that I'm able to during a rep, during a small sided game, or watching film with them, I don't have to just tell them throughout the course of the film session but I can ask the questions and they are able to relate those back to the if thens. There were so many times where I used to ask the questions and they'd give me the answer. And I'm like, what, 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 that doesn't have to do with anything. Didn't you remember when I said this, but now I can direct it right back to one of those if then statements. And uh, it, it makes the film (laughs) sessions go faster because they're able to answer concepts very quickly and they're able to tie those things back to the things that we worked on within those if-then statements. So I I think just overall, it has helped the basketball IQ of my players as I'm able to communicate better those if-then. And that's tied back to our our example earlier. Like the more you understand about it, you're probably going to have – if you have a really hard time coming up with if-then statements, you probably don't know why you're doing what you're doing to the degree that you need to know yet.
1: Yeah, like to me, that would be a good usage of your off-season time. Yeah not researching something new or it's putting in and learning about his whole, like take what your players have already learned and challenge yourself to think of ways to teach it even better. And if the if then statements is something that you're not big on or currently using a lot of see if like, okay, let's stick with our Princeton offense. For example, the second season in a row, how about that? And how can I take that? if then concept and use that to maybe even speed up our learning or deep get, you know, get better at it faster. I hadn't been doing that. So now I can say if we hit the pinch post, then I'm going to either screen away, you know, like, you know, something like that, like turn it into that way of laying it out to your players.
0: We're about three years, maybe a little bit more than three years into our offensive concepts and system that we're running. And I'm still coming up with or finding better if thens within what we're doing and uh it has dramatically improved again the way that our players understand what we're trying to do overall so
1: and i think also too like it helped us have a when i started doing more of this it helped us have a better sort of like team concept instead of right individual because it's like hey this is our if then i don't care if you're the star player or the bench player we drive we see help we throw the direction of the pack that's it that's it if then
0: all right. Final suggestion here. Mine's really kind of connected okay. to my, to my first suggestion, but I've found that the more that I do understand those concepts, the easier time I have boiling down those concepts, then that allows me to either create or find terminology mm-hmm. in those one, two, three word keywords. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, I've heard it referred to a sticky language, but yeah. I'm able to convey ideas and remind players of bigger concepts faster. And, you know, that's one thing that I've learned from you. Some, sometimes you use terminology that's out there, but other times like you come up with your own stuff that makes sense to you. And that allows you to create your own vocabulary when you communicate ideas We've had, I think, uh, I think then people
1: all over Twitter start using. That's
0: exactly right, but I think (laughs) that, like, that's exactly right. But yeah, but the a perfect example, Twitter. You're only allowed a certain amount of characters. We have to pack as much as we can into that box for obvious reasons. For us, in a basketball context, when you play a game that's moving very quickly, when you're trying to give feedback very quickly or communicate ideas very quickly. Like I I even saw it again this last week with our campers that, you know, once they understood a concept, I could give them quick reminders through, you know, those phrases or those sticky words. And it made them make faster adjustments on the court, improve their performance right away. There's no nothing magic in the words outside of you're able to communicate faster and they're able to think through things faster I think feedback and improving the way that we give feedback and how we give feedback is something that all of us as coaches probably can improve upon.
1: Yeah. I think, I think one thing that that you're touching on that I always talk to coaches about and tried to do with, with our, the programs i coached in was um, it's, it's almost like this word jargon or vernacular, right? Like every industry, like, like if you were, if you were just eavesdropping on a bunch of like, uh, I don't know, like pilots, they're, they're speaking English, but they're talking in, you know, they're talking about their gauges. And, and I don't know that because I'm not a pilot. I don't know what he's, what he's, what meter he's referring. I don't know that. I'm not in that world. So I always say, if a player in your program like I want our, our system so embedded in our program and our language so connected to that system that like, you know, two players who played for me talking about what they're watching when they see a game, a third basketball player who's not in our program and listen to me go, what, what are you talking about? Like what you're calling something a, a blast cut off of a, you know, what, like, you know, like it's we've got our own jargon in this gym, our own vernacular that it's almost like you got to be here to even understand what we're even talking about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like that, that level of, of tightness with our language. I would also say too, this is another thing that I think you asked about sort of revisiting if thens. I think you can revisit this jargon and this vernacular quite often as you are, you know, maybe reading or watching YouTube videos or, you know, following people on Twitter of like, Hey, I'm calling this cut a Blast cut, but like this cut. And I think that's a better term. It's stickier. It's, it's, I think I like that term better because I think our players would remember it. It would resonate then replace it. That can be an, or your, your, your glossary. That's another off season project that I've been undertaking with some coaches is creating like a glossary. Remember the old textbooks when you were in school, like used to have a glossary in the back where you, Mm -hmm. you looked up the word and what it meant, you know, in history book or or a government book or something like that, like creating a glossary of definitions of terms in your for your offense, your defense, transitions and all of that, that that is your language and defining it either in words or pictures, both or both, that when I say, you know, blur cut, what do what are we talking about? <laughs> What's it look? You know, like define it in words, show it in a picture or a diagram or something like that. Creating a glossary, but that that glossary could be an organic, living, breathing document that, like, you know what? I'm going to delete that and call, start calling it that because I think that's a better, more uh, stickier, more effective term.
0: When I was a younger coach, I, you know, I wanted to make sure I was calling everything the right, right thing in the right way. But I found even for my own as I diagram plays, just being able to understand the concepts and me remembering them. And then to your point of using them with your team, Coach Richie, Bob Richie over at Furman, mm-hmm. his vocabulary, and I know others do this, but like his vocabulary for his program really actually aids and helps with the culture of his team because it they have their own personal language and it creates this sure up close with with how they communicate on the floor and you know just like you were alluding to and i found the same thing with our players and with our team like they buy into it and it becomes kind of like their own thing it's multi-purpose um and it's made a difference in even our our team cultures
1: yeah one thing i've got to work on this is a weakness of mine is sometimes i'll call the same thing like
0: three different different things things or something
1: like just just sort of i understand it in my head because i i can bounce back and forth and All of that, but like, I'm not sure that that's a great way to teach coaches or players. Right that's
0: confusing the players.
1: Sure. Like coach, I thought you said this was a, you know, flip and now you're calling it a pitch or whatever, you know, like, well, it's right. the same thing, but.
0: all right. So there's four, four ways to simplify probably a few others that we threw in sure. there. Four, yeah. four bigger concepts for simplifying the game. We will try to, I'm attempting to turn these into blog posts. So if you're wanting to share this with your assistants or whatever, and don't have the time to watch the full 25 minutes of it, then feel free to pass that along as well. Randy's a great resource. Be sure to find him on uh, Twitter at Radius Athletics. You can find me at Tony W. Miller. You can also search podcast at Quick Time Out, where you can also find audio versions of this show. You search on any podcast platform of Quick Time Out or Hoops Forum. If you're into more watching, going back, you can search Radius Athletics on YouTube and find the full version of the show there. Hope to see you again next week on Hoops Forum.